Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN. Welcome to Political Pursuits, the podcast. I'm your host, Lou Ann Anderson, and thank you for being with us here today. I am happy to have you here, but I also am very excited to have someone in the studio today, and that is one Mr. Lynn Woolley, who you know from years of being on the Lynn Woolley Show, and now he's got Planet Logic, and so we're going to have a good time listening to some things that he has on his mind. But meanwhile, let me remind you before we get started that uh, Political Pursuits is available on most popular platforms for podcasting. That includes Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, as well as you can find us on Podchaser, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and Deezer. Remember that most of the articles that we'll ever reference on this show, I'll put them up on our Facebook page, which is at Political Suits on Facebook. Same handle on Twitter. And if you got some thoughts, want to share some information, share an article, whatever, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at politicalpursuitspod at gmail.com. And with that, let's move right into things. Lynn Woolley, thank you for being here. Wow. The tables are turned. Yeah, you're the you're the host, and and after what you just said about about how long I was on the air, I don't think I'm old enough to be me. <laughs> well, we won't talk about that because then we'd also talk about how long we have worked together it's been a over while. over a couple of decades. It definitely is is coming up to it's a pile a, of, a pile of years. So anyway, but at least we're both here, still kicking, going strong, and. Let's let's just get after it. Oh God, that sounds like uh, Chris Como. <laughs> Scratch <laughs> yes, <it> that does. <laughs> one. <laughs> yes, it does. Okay, one black mark for Luann today. The virus, COVID nineteen, the virus, or as our friends from the Epic Times like to call it, the CCP. I call it the CCPV, just for expediency. The Chinese Communist Party virus. Yeah, or the Wuhan flu or the bat soup flu, whatever. whatever. But uh, there's little doubt, Luann, of where it came from. It certainly, it certainly does not seem that there's doubt there. And interesting on that, I uh, heard KT McFarlane talking with somebody a week or so ago. And she, was, she made the point accepted or not I don't know but she's she's pretty strong on foreign policy type issues Mm -hmm. she says that the Chinese government is fighting tooth and nail to be able to classify this as more some kind of act of nature versus 
it coming from that lab where even if the virus was not man-made per se, if it came from those specimens they were bringing in from the bat caves out wherever in China, that it was a virus that was harnessed by a lab and then tinkered with to some degree. Yeah, I don't think it came, uh, I don't think it was created in a laboratory. I think it came from a bat and the bat came from the laboratory. And And what her contention is that if they could instead pin it on the wet market and it was just this random occurrence of nature, that there are codicils within the trade agreements that they've recently signed Mm -hmm. that would let them get out of paying or participating in some of those trade agreements because of some kind of act of God or act of nature type clause that's in there that could help them back away. Well, there's a couple of problems with that. Number one, the first recorded case of this, if you can go back to patient zero, but the first recorded case that we actually know of happened a couple of weeks before the outbreak at the Wuhan wet market. Right. They don't sell bats at the wet market, which is, an, I don't think my local HEB carries them either. I was looking for them the other day, but uh, I don't think they do. And so, well, it may have spread through the wet markets. The chance of it actually starting there is low. Its genesis had to have come from somewhere else. Yeah, I think it came from that lab, and it's, it's just it's just too pat. I mean, if you've got a nuclear plant in town, and there's some nuclear contamination somewhere in town, where do you think that contamination exactly. probably came from? I mean, it, it, the coincidence is just too high. And so it, it appears to me that the Chicoms wanted to prove that they had virology experts or lab people and, and uh, researchers and doctors that could do things with these viruses and maybe create antidotes for them or, or vaccines if such exist for a virus, as well as the United States. But they don't have good procedures. They're too sloppy. I was they they say, let it get out. There's documentation from several years back expressing concerns about the protocols or the lack of protocols, lack of stringent regulations and practices that they had in those viruses. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, that's horrifying. If I lived in that city and knew that, I'd be horrified. Even with U.S. money. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Being pumped into it. Yes. U.S. money not only from the, the U.S. government, but also from the likes of money like Bill Gates. And the likes of places like the University of Texas uh, and I think Texas A&M. And a couple, I think there were some universities that had some ties with that lab. Yeah, it's it definitely, it wasn't some isolated over in the middle of nowhere type lab and nobody had any idea that they might even possibly be doing something like this. I mean, there seems to... For better or worse, there seems to have been strong relationships between that lab and people here in the U.S. that you would have hoped would have made somebody feel a need to be more forthcoming than they have. And a couple of points about this. People in the United States think Wuhan, China. Yeah, it just doesn't really register. That's a city as big as New York. It is a gigantic city with huge skyscrapers and it's a and, mo- yeah it's a modern city and eleven million people. That's one thing I wanted to point out. So, 
one of the reasons that this virus is spreading so freely in New York City is the size of the city, obviously, and how crammed people are in there and riding the subways. And really, in a normal New York City, there's no such thing as social distancing. It's probably like that in Wuhan to some extent with 11 million people crowded into that city. The other thing is that the World Health Organization, the WHO, and I always want to say talking about my generation after I say that, <laughs> but they seem to have, uh, China seems to, Jing Xiping, Xi Jinping seems to have some kind of a hold over the WHO, and they've taken, for the most part, the Chinese line on this. Oh, yeah, they've been like the PR arm for Exactly. Them. And so when Trump decided to cut them off from United States money, I'm the first person to say, yeah, let's do this. I mean, there are going to be some good things coming out of this. And one of them is going to be maybe we can make aspirin back here in America. And maybe we can make antibiotics back here in America. and Devices, thing, medical the, devices. And cell phones and things along the supply chain that we need to exist as a country in a time where there's some kind of an emergency like we've seen with this pandemic. And Trump has already been sowing the seeds with these trade agreements that mm -hmm. he was harping on back in 2016. Do you get the idea that instead of Russia, 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 we should have been saying China, China, China? I mean, look. I, and I, there was one person who was. <laughs> yeah, and that was Donald Trump. Look, I don't have any particular love for Vladimir Putin. I think he's a mass murderer, and I could sit here and tick off all the, the things that he's done with the with the, what was it, plutonium-210 or whatever. Right, yeah, poisoning the people. He's a, th he's a thug. He, he is, and shooting down the other Malaysian airline uh, uh, with all those people because I don't know what they thought, but th there it was in their space, and they just shot it down, and probably with orders from Putin. He's a mass murderer. But I think that Russia, and, and I don't have anything against the people, but I think that Russia as a government is what you could call a thugocracy. They're there to, they're, they're like a mosquito. They don't have anything to infect you with, but they just keep biting you. And, and it, it's, it's like, if they're, we can interfere in the American elections, let's do it. If, if we can make Trump look bad, let's do it. If Hillary had been elected, they would try to make Hillary look bad. They, they never seem to have an end to what their, their evil acts are, are searching to do. They just want to keep things stirred up. They just like stirring the pot. China, I would say that they have their plan. They want, I mean, they know they want to be the dominant nation in the world. They want to destroy our economy. They want to break the backs of the American people, their, their souls, the, their whole beings. They want domination on multiple fronts. Russia, Russia's kind of the, the slacker in that stuff. They just want to go and just create situations, mm -hmm. promote disharmony. But in terms of any real goal, I don't think it's there. No, Putin's like a gadfly. You know, he's he just wants to, to pick at people and yeah. pick at the United States. Mm -hmm. And I'm 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 just so mystified by the, the Democrats and the never Trumpers over this whole interference in our our election things. Have you noticed the Democrats discovered something they refer to now as our democracy. I never heard a Democrat say that until this whole Russian interference thing. I'm not sure that uh, that since the Cold War or, or back into the Cold War, since, they'll say since the Cold War began at the end of the Second World War, that the Russians haven't tried to interfere 
in America. They did an entire TV series that you told me about, and I ended up watching the whole thing called and The Americans. Yes. And that's what it was all about. Well, and I always think back to the 60s and the TV show Get Smart. And certainly, here you had these secret agents, and they were keeping our country safe, and they were fighting their enemy, our enemy, which, who was our enemy? There, it, But it was chaos. Chaos. That was right. the organization. Oh, that was the organization over on the man from Uncle. It was Thrush. Yeah. Well, here we, it was chaos. And when the, you would ever have any chaos agents, they always seemed to have like a Russian, Russian accent. accent. Yeah. <laughs> you That's know, maybe a little German in there, but it was, it was, the, it was in that Slavic type um, of realm. And it, because that was who our, that was who our, our, our foe was at that time. And China was just some undeveloped country over, but Russia did have, at least at that point, I think their, their gravitas in the world was perhaps a little more than it is now. Mm -hmm. Until Reagan came in with Strategic Defense Initiative, which the media uh, sort of repudiated as Star Wars. But, but the thing about it is, is that back in those days, Russia was a serious contender. Russia made some mistakes. I think two of them that I can think of. One was Ronald Reagan engaged them in an escalation. You remember the missile gap under Kennedy that was the mm -hmm. big story all the time that we're afraid we have a missile gap with the Soviet Union and they tr and we tried to close that missile gap and Reagan came in and he not only closed the missile gap but I mean we were putting things in satellites and stuff. I'll it, see it, you it, in Eurasia. <laughs> yeah, it was driving them crazy and they tried to keep up and they couldn't and it, it almost destroyed their economy. Another thing is is when oil prices goes down like it, it go down like they are right now, the Soviet Union exports two things that I can think of. One we put in a glass from time to time and imbibe, and the other one is oil. And you know I don't think they can make it on just vodka. They've got to do more than just potato juice. They they've got to have that oil going out, and that's what has made Putin one of the world's richest men because he steals all of it. But then China comes along at a time when these things... Oh, and the other thing was going into Afghanistan. That did not work out well right, for the Russians. Right. And so Russia is diminished as a world power. The Russian Empire, known as the Soviet Union, is over. Even Paul McCartney made fun of them in a song back in the USSR. They've lost territory because you have all these all these areas that have broken off to become their own countries. And it's not like they don't still have a nuclear arsenal. They do, and they're still dangerous, and Putin still would like to reconstitute. But then compare the Russian threat to the threat of China. They're sitting there any day of the week. They could invade Taiwan, or they could try to, to send more ships out into the South China Sea, which they want to control totally. Uh, we know what they're doing to the Uyghurs. We know what they're doing to their own people. Even doctors over there who were trying to sound the alarm about the Wuhan flu yeah. either turned up missing or dead. And it's, Well, thanks to the Chinese Communist Party, we now have that term disappeared mm -hmm. because that's mm -hmm. where, you know, one used to, oh, they would disappear. Now they're disappeared oh, as yeah. an active verb because that's what the that's what they do. Yeah, it's almost you can almost use it like that. The communist government disappeared them. Yes, yes. Be it the doctors that tried to sound the warning, be it the freedom fighters, the protesters over mm -hmm. there in Hong Kong, a lot of them, they've been disappeared. 
Well, that's yeah. that's something else too. If you start looking at all the, th- I think there's the big three is maybe the Wuhan flu, the the situation in Taiwan in uh, Hong Kong, and then the situation with Taiwan, that makes China very very uh, much the the emerging superpower, and it's not the resurgence of Russia. I personally don't see a resurgence of Russia. I think we need to watch Russia. I think we need to watch what Putin is doing because he he will kill his enemies just as quick as if he were Kim Jong-un, if he's still alive and well. Right. Uh, but, uh, But China, to me, is the big threat on the world stage. We know that if Iran somehow bombed an American city and killed a bunch of people, we could destroy Iran in an afternoon if we cared to do it. But that doesn't work with a country of a billion people that has its own nuclear stockpile. Uh, you get into a, a war like that with them, and it could be the end of humankind as we know it. So China is the big thing, and I, I just don't understand why, especially the Democrats, spent three years of Trump's presidency going after him, first with with the, the, the accusations of Russian collusion, which turned out to be a complete fraud, you know, leading to the Flynn thing, which we could talk about if we get mm-hmm. to it. And then leading to the, the sort of collapse of the Robert Mueller report. So right after that, they impeached the president of the United States over a single telephone conversation, which just absolutely amazed me. And I printed the transcript of it out and read it many, many times to the point where I could almost quote it. There's nothing in there that was important. Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN. Ah, feel the woe with Listerine at BJ's. You can save $2.50 now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location. Experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine. Discount available through December 24th. Save now only at BJ's. Impeachable, certainly nothing like Fast and Furious, certainly nothing like weaponizing the IRS, and certainly nothing like sending pallets of money to Iran in the middle of yeah. the night, certainly nothing like like what Obama had done so many times and, and constantly getting away with it. And Trump comes in and says something the Democrats don't like. They impeach him over this. Well, they were looking. They Do you had know been what was happening while we were in impeachment hearings? Do you know what was going on yeah, in the, the world? Yeah, the virus was the spreading. The virus was spreading. Yes, yes. And I was in New York in December when all that was going on. And, you know. Uh, and January was worse because that's when people started leaving China and going to, like, Italy. Or people would be leaving Italy, going to China because they were all coming in there to celebrate the Chinese New Year. Mm-hmm. And so that's where you had a lot of people. That's why, I mean, Italy is 
the only G7 country that is a part of China's Belt and Road Initiative. That is true, and that's a major initiative where the the people of Italy were working with the CHICOMs and then... Well, because they have all these luxury fashion brands that they want to be able to access the Chinese market for. And with 11, or not 11, but with, with a billion people, I was thinking of 11 million in Wuhan, but there's a lot of cities in China that have 11 right. million. There's a lot of cities in yeah. China that are larger than New York. Shanghai is, Beijing is, Gansu is, you know, most of those are. But there's so many people in China, and, and with this little flirtation with with a free enterprise that they have going over there, going on over there, it's all under control of the Chinese government, but they're, they've tried to emulate us while still maintaining control. But that creates a lot of tourists. Japan wanted those tourists. Oh, absolutely. Other other European countries, they wanted those tourists. And so they waited till the last minute to cut all this off and to to close their borders to people coming in from China. And even Trump did not institute a travel ban. That's a misnomer. It was travel restrictions. Well, and but it was, not a, it was not an outright ban, and he even got called xenophobic by one Joe Biden for doing that. But the whole thing was that they restricted travel. The Chinese Party restricted travel within China from Wuhan into other areas of China, but they still let their international flights continue. So it was okay that if you were infected or potentially infected for you to go to other parts of the world. I guess they just wanted to share the pain. Well, it's like uh, you won't get pregnant. I'm here from the government and I'm here to help you. And you can't spread this flu from person to person. I mean, those are among some of the greatest lies ever told. Right, right. Well, and you notice the the logo that we have for political pursuits. It's a game board yes. with game pieces on there. With because, chess pieces. Yes, because one of my contentions is that so many of these things that we see happening, and you know, some days we react with hair on fire, other days we react a little more moderately, a little more sensibly. But the point is, when you start watching these things, you can see the gamesmanships that's going on. You can see the moves that are being taken. We can look back on all the Russia, Russia, Russia stuff and see how different moves were made strategically by the two different sides on that as we went through that. This is the same way. Peter Navarro was on, he did a round some for a number of shows here recently, but one of the things I thought that he has been so on point doing is he talks about how with China that the Chinese government is so calculated that you can identify four kills in this whole scenario pertaining to the virus. The first kill, he says, is that China effectively declared war. They spawned the virus in whatever form Mm -hmm. the spawning took place, but they spawned the virus, and it came out of one of their biological weapons labs, probably by accident, but we don't really know. Most importantly, though, they hid it. They hid that for six weeks. The second kill was because during that time, hundreds of thousands of Wuhanians and other Chinese flew to places like New York and Detroit and all around the world, including Milan, seeding the virus while they work to contain it in their own home front. And so that was the second thing, that was the second prong of them coming after us, one of the kills. Mm -hmm. Third is that while we were all first not knowing about the virus and then scrambling to try and, with limited information, try and figure out how do we react to this, what's the sensible reaction, don't want to overreact, but 
underreaction has its its you know flaws too. During that time, China went out and basically vacuumed up all the PPE from around the world. During that time, they bought two billion face masks alone, and so they were taking that supply and they were getting it to stockpile, therefore leaving Europe, South America, the United States with inadequate. But, but we were hoarding toilet paper at the time. Yes. And Let don't mention- go look in my closet. One last, last thing is that this hoarding that they have been doing, they're now using that to turn a profit because they now, I mean, that yes, they've been sending some of this stuff out as, as humanitarian missions to certain countries, but a lot of that that's being being tagged as humanitarian, those countries are actually paying for that stuff. And they're paying profiteering prices they're they're jacked up prices that they're paying plus they're finding that a lot of that stuff from the mask to the gowns to the testing that it's it's bad it doesn't work well here's the thing the democrats with the Mueller report with the russian collusion allegations with the impeachment ukrainian phone call all this stuff that they've been fighting trump on every front while that's been going on trump had three things that he proposed If we had listened to him and implemented those three things, there would probably be no coronavirus in the United States. One was take on China, you know, try to to stop them from some of the things they were doing, especially stealing our intellectual property. The second thing was to control our borders and know who comes in. The Democrats fought him tooth and nail on controlling our borders. And the third Still thing, are. maybe the most important thing of all, was restore manufacturing to the United States of America. Trump wanted to not just make cell phones here. He wanted to make everything here. We don't have to make everything about everything here. But we need enough here that when something like this happens, we are self-sustaining. The Democrats fought him on all three. And because of that, we have a pandemic in the United States. And isn't it confidence inspiring now to see that our manufacturers have been so quickly able and willing to reconfigure their production lines in order to come in and fill these needs you know automotive manufacturers who are now building ventilators the my pillow guy yes <laughs> yes absolutely the, yeah that. yeah the distilleries that are now revamped their lines to produce hand sanitizer. I think that that is something, I hope that's something that Americans paying attention will take to heart. And when Trump's talking about, why why can't we bring some of this manufacturing back here? I hope well, I they'll think- remember because... American industry has shown, hell yeah, bring it back. We, we'll, we'll figure it out. Well, I don't think we have a choice. You you remember, I think it was swine flu. We, we've had so many things, Ebola and all that. I think it was swine flu where we used up, it, this may have even been back in, in uh, W's administration, we used up our strategic supply of masks, ventilators, and gloves. Yes. I didn't even realize we had a strategic supply. And so there was legislation passed to replenish it, which would have happened under Obama, and it never did. Right. It is totally left-wing policies. And you could even take this to the states where where people like Gavin Newsom and before him uh, Moonbeam, Jerry Brown, and, and of course uh, Andrew Cuomo in New York, they seem all concerned with bringing in immigrants and and 
having uh, huge amounts of, of money and attention diverted to them, letting them have driver's licenses. But they're not taking care of things at home. But they're not taking care of their yeah. states. The fact that it turned out that Cuomo may have had enough ventilators. We. Because he, he was exaggerating the number that he needed. He was exaggerating, but if he hadn't had enough ventilators, that was not Donald Trump's fault, but you wouldn't know that from watching CNN. Right. Oh, no, listening to him at, at all, you wouldn't know that. But I think that we're, that it's really important that people keep remembering all these things because Donald Trump, is the one that's been saying all along, we need to address these things. When he first came into office, there was another shortfall that became his priority more so, and that was our arsenal for the military. He said we didn't have ammunition, we didn't have the military, did not have the materials they needed to have the level of readiness if you came into into the Oval Office the first day you after you've been inaugurated, okay, you've got an army that doesn't have materials to be able to fight and defend our country, and you have these shelves over here that are bare from health care needs. Which one do you go after first? Well, I think he made the right decision because if our military can't do what it needs to defend us, what the hell difference does it make well, if yeah. some of those other supplies aren't aren't so available? Yeah, and it turns out that most Americans know we have a strategic oil reserve. Now, now people are realizing, including people like me who hadn't really thought about it much, there's a lot of other things we might need a strategic reserve of. And I don't know how many of these things can be stored for long periods of time, but wouldn't it be nice to think that we have a, a good supply of penicillin, uh, of, of sulfa drugs, of, of other things that we and might that's a logistical, need to use? And that's a logistical function that any warehouse or logistical type entity knows how to manage they Mm -hmm. do have shelf lives they have expiration dates if you have those things inventoried under your control you need to be watching those things so that they get rotated out Mm -hmm. and if you're approaching an expiration date well then six months before then you look for a way you look for a facility that can go and use it during that time before it expires and then you bring in fresh supplies so that you bought yourself a little more time. But I just kind of the whole U.S. response to this, why don't we take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about how the American public is reacting to this, the good, the bad, the sky is falling, <laughs> and everything else. So we'll talk more about that when we come back. Okay. This is Political Pursuits, the podcast with Lou Ann Anderson, special guest Lynn Woolley. We'll be right back. <laughs> There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters
Welcome back to Political Pursuits, the podcast. This is Lou Ann Anderson. Just wanted to remind you that we are available on all the platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, along with Deezer, CastBox, Podcast Addict, and Podchaser. Facebook, we're at Political Suits. Same for Twitter. Email is politicalpursuitspod at gmail.com. And I'm still here with Mr. Lynn Woolley, and we are just sitting here trying to solve the problems of the day. We've been talking about uh, the virus and China's interaction with it, but let's move it back over here to our shores and talk about what's happening, how the United States, how we're starting to rev things up, bring things back. Boy, as many different states as we have, as many different people we have, it seems like we've got different opinions of what's good and bad on that. Even in terms of the virus, what do you think? Is this a real, real threat? Has it been overblown? What's your thoughts? No, I kind of like the Michigan approach to it. Uh, Governor uh, Whitmer up there, is that her? Yeah, Gretchen uh, Whitmer. Gretchen Whitmer. Where if you go outside and your child is playing, they will come arrest you and take the child and put it in protective custody. Uh, I don't know. I used to think we had a constitution, and I can certainly understand the idea of the social distancing. I've done it myself. I'm in one of the groups, you know, my mm-hmm. advanced age here, even though I still look young and handsome. I am uh, I am a senior citizen, so I haven't been excited about just going out and exposing myself to this virus. But on the other hand, you got to get immunity some way, and so... Maybe maybe some of the nation, I certainly understand New York, that's the epicenter. Right. Three international airports there is probably what got that started there in New York. But this has become a political virus where if you're a progressive, you believe in closing everything down at least until November the 3rd. Never let a good crisis go to waste. And Hillary Clinton said that exact thing. I just nearly fell over when I heard her say that. If you're a conservative governor like Greg Abbott, you kind of pull your hair out and you try to figure out, look, how do I balance this between people getting sick and possibly dying and possibly overloading our hospitals, which hasn't happened. And the other thing, which is our economy, because we're we're seeing this massive influx of people applying for unemployment because the, so many jobs have just gone away. Uh, airlines are flying with 17, 18 people on an airplane that holds 200 people. Right. And so we've, we've got to try to do this smart, and I tend to think that there is a happy medium, but we're divided down the middle politically. Nobody wants to come up with a happy medium, so Andrew Cuomo is never going to agree with Greg Abbott. But I think we've got to do it. We've got to get going. I'm still not ready to go to a movie theater right now, but... We've got movie theaters that are hurting. If we if we don't start going back to the movies at some point, we're not going to have movie theaters I when this the, is over. I love the reemergence of drive-in movies. I think this is such a wonderful application for that. And these days, yeah. our technology you can get portable screens, mm-hmm. put them up, put them out in your yard. And I mean, if there's one thing a movie theater is going to have, it's a big old parking lot. And so I I think that's a creative way that some of these companies can at least help to keep some degree of revenue stream coming in. Now the theaters are pretty much. 
Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN. Ah, feel the woe with Listerine at BJ's. You can save $2.50 now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location. Experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine. Discount available through December 24th. Save now, only at BJ's. Much not going to be opening until like July, and that's kind of per the industry because all of the releases have been put on hold and pushed yes. back. Their whole calendar for releases is just blown out of the water for probably the foreseeable. Yeah, there's future. a bunch of Marvel movies they're they're uh, they're holding back. Yeah, we're missing all the big spring, summer, early summer blockbusters. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I mean, I I think that probably the that decision is a good decision on their part. But while we talk about, you know, Trump's been asked in different ways several times, you know, well, how many are too many lives to, law, to lose? And as he said, you know, any life lost is a tragedy. But we're trying to mitigate the number and we're doing the mm-hmm. best we can to think about the ways to do that. But there's also the uncounted collateral damage going on. I mean, we've got people heart attack and stroke victims who aren't coming, they're not calling 9-11 because they don't want to burden the hospitals. You've got people, cancer victims, who have had their stem, stem cell transplants put on hold. Heart surgeries are being postponed indefinitely. Non-essential procedures can, you know, sometimes include diet, you know, treatment or, or procedures that are going to give you information for the diagnosis of life-threatening injuries. There's so many things, there's so many people like that that will never know the intangible. You want to explain to me, because I'm too stupid to understand this, would you please explain to me how a heart attack is not an essential medical procedure? I mean, how a heart attack, what do you do, just die? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a stroke can be in all kinds of different levels, and so can a heart attack. Right. But if you've had a massive stroke or a massive heart attack, that sounds pretty essential to me that you get into a hospital. And, of course, emergency rooms, they cram people. I've always wondered about this, and I kind of hope this is a permanent change. I once went to an emergency room. I was remember when I went up to Dallas and I, or Arlington, actually, and I was substitute hosting on WBAP, and I got up there, and I had this uh, unbelievable throat ailment. Yeah, they me. were never, subbing for Mike Gallagher back. Well, I was subbing for Gary McNamara, okay. who's now the red-eye guy, coast-to-coast. Okay. Coast. He's, he's a well-known guy now overnight. And I got this thing where my throat swelled up to the point where I couldn't even swallow. I just completely almost blocked my windpipe. And I went to an emergency room, and they just sat me out there, and I said to them, don't you think you ought to put me in a room somewhere? Because I don't know what I have, and I don't want to give it to anybody. 
And they said, that's a good idea. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, two things. Number one, why did the patient come up with this? <laughs> and number two, uh, boy, are they going to be surprised when they find out I have insurance. Oh, they would be very happy when oh, they, you have insurance. They yes, loved I, it. I was the only one that did. Yes. Oh, no, no. I had that experience down at Brackenridge when I was the only patient there that I think had insurance and spoke English. Yes. And it was amazing, the treatment that I got. And this was back in 04, yeah. and I was the only one, only patient in there that spoke English. I can't even imagine what Parkland's waiting room looks like right now because... The waiting room, and even when you get called in, when you get called in, they have a nurse's station, and then they have all the little, you know, little cubicles where they put people, and I mean, there's not, there's a number of them, it's a big, it seems like it's a big ward, but there's still not that many, and then outside, they have chairs lining all the walls, Everywhere there's not a doorway, mm -hmm. there are chairs lining there. And those are people that they brought in from the waiting room that are still there waiting to be seen. And I was there one time, and a Dallas police officer came in with a guy in handcuffs, sat him down next to me, proceeded to undo the handcuffs and walk off. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't even imagine what, because it's the Wild West during normal times, I can't even yes. imagine what, what it would be like now. But speaking of kind of just in monitoring the reaction, our public health officials, what do you think? How have they done in terms of these models, in terms of their recommendations? Well, in terms of the models, they've been an abject failure. I mean, it's like global warming. You, you see these computer models, and they just they never come true. They were telling us at one point— Correct me if I'm wrong, we could lose a million people in yes. the United States. and it was that IHME model, which comes out of Washington State, which is largely funded by who? Bill the Gates. Old, of course. Of course, Bill Gates. And he's at the center of most of the conspiracy theories about right. the coronavirus, by the way, that, other than those involving the Wuhan lab. But, but no, I don't think they've done real well. And the thing I'll say about Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks. I don't have anything against these people. Uh, they seem to be more pally, I guess, with the with the left side of the political I aisle. Agree. But here's the, my problem with them. They're coming at this from a strict medical viewpoint because they're doctors. Uh, put, um, oh, I don't know, uh, who's the guy in Dallas? I don't particularly care for him that owns the Mavericks. Oh, Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban or Warren Buffett up there. And... and, and let them talk about how the businesses are affected because we, we have a dual threat here. The virus is killing people, but it can also kill people if you lose your business, your job, your home, uh, anything that you have to make a payment on, and there's no money coming in and you max out your credit cards. Imagine how much in debt the country's going to be when this is over, and imagine how much in debt people are going to be that have lost their jobs and are using four or five credit cards. Yeah, I mean, that whole idea that flattening the curve and, oh, we want these numbers to come down. In a perfect world, yes, we could all sit there and just sit and watch Netflix all day and wait for the numbers to come down, but we don't live in a perfect world. We can't afford to live in a perfect world. Oh, and by the way, if we do stay in that perfect world... You and I are talked about. We both have been kind of sti sticking closer to home. I've got some other health issues yes. that I'm a little bit concerned that this isn't the time to risk too much going out and getting exactly. compromised. But at the same time, there's a point, there's a, there's a case that can be made. We're not doing ourselves the biggest favor staying completely at home because putting ourselves out there into a world that has germs, 
also helps us to keep there's building a, up our tolerance to a point. There's so, even a group of people that suggest don't bathe with antibacterial soap. And the reason for that is you kill all the bacteria, it's affecting your immune system. You need some of that right. so that your body will fight back at it. So I think getting back to what I was saying, I think these two doctors are coming at it from the way they see it. Number one, I don't think Dr. Burks or Dr. Fauci or anybody on that stage is going to miss a paycheck. Exactly. Nobody is. They're, and if they missed a paycheck, it wouldn't matter. They're, they're fairly wealthy people. But you take somebody, um, I don't know, somebody just in a local town like we live in. We live in a city of 80,000 people. Who works for some manufacturing concern. Who works for that or who, or who own? let's say he owns a restaurant. Restaurants have been hit really hard. People mm-hmm. can't go in, sit down, order a meal. You sit down, you order a meal. You, you Say you order a hamburger, order a fries. You get done. And is there anything else I can help you with? Yeah, I kind of would like a piece of that, uh, some of that dessert. Well, if you do a takeout, you're not going to order that add-on. And so it really makes it tougher. They they have to have a certain amount of that to survive. And so I don't think these medical people are looking at the economic part of this at all. And I think we have to look at it together. And I think, yes, we're all going to have to take a certain amount of risk. We don't have to overdo it. We can wear our mask. We can have the hand sanitizer with us at and all times. And we but, know the age categories who are most at risk. Yes. People who have conditions. We've found that people that are obese, maybe people perhaps with diabetes, there are certain conditions that seem to be more prone to attracting the virus. So we have yeah. a lot of good knowledge that we can use to mitigate some and of this And you just stuff. have to know, I have to say this, even if it upsets you, but I have to say this, we just have to know what condition our condition <laughs> is in. That's, that was actually a title Your first of a podcast. Ep- first episode, I know. Yes. That's why I said But that is absolutely what, what we need to do. And, I mean, I think back to your point about the people, the doctors. Rahm Emanuel was another one who was saying two months ago, before this thing even really bloomed into probably the worst it's going to be that it peaked which it would seem that we've seen the peak now he was saying before that even happened oh we need to be shut down for 18 months and then i think it's interesting what party does that benefit though yeah isn't that funny yeah yeah exactly yeah and i'm sorry i'm sorry i misspoke it wasn't Rahm emanuel it was his brother ezekiel ezekiel emanuel yeah which last time yeah he did such good work was on obamacare Obamacare, absolutely but the other thing too is that you do have some doctors coming forward now. We had those doctors out in, in California that had that um, that YouTube video where they went through and talked about how, as we're doing more testing, because, you know, our, our experts, the gurus in D.C., public health people, theorists, are saying we've got to have more testing, got to have more testing. As we're having more testing, these guys are saying, hey, you know what? We found out there's a whole bunch more people that have been infected with this. And didn't know it. Didn't know it. And it happened quite a while before we knew it. And those same results are coming up independently in Florida, in New York. And every time you start seeing a potential that as those numbers grow, then what that's doing is when you have that equation, you have that fraction from which you derive your your fatality rate, the more people you have infected, and then that's divided into the number of people who die, 
as you find out there's more infections, that fatality rate starts going down. Well, it's down, it's so down. weird. Um, I was in New York in mid-December, uh, up there for something to do with the Epic Times, and a lady friend of mine was up there as well. We got back home. She decided to attend Mardi Gras. She was there for three days. Wow. That was another place where they said it was spread. Yes. All right, so she did that. I didn't go to Mardi Gras, but then I was around her a lot. Neither one of us have caught it. Now she's in New York at a COVID hospital, still hasn't gotten it. I'm beginning to think she's probably not going to. I may have the antibodies by now. I don't know. It's possible. Uh, I'd like to be tested, uh, but but I haven't studied for the test, so I don't know if I could pass it or not. <laughs> but, you know, you, you try to look at a little humor in this any way that you can. But but I I just think that the city of New York is an entity into itself on coronavirus. And, and the other outbreaks that have been big, one is New Orleans, one is Detroit, one is Seattle, and maybe a couple of places in California, but they're still not on the scale of what New York City has seen. And and the rest of the country does not need to go by what they're doing in New York. People who listen to this podcast, you guys will remember we've talked about this a couple of times. Matt Margulis over at PJ Media had a great article from a couple of weeks ago. And he talks about, he goes through and compiles these statistics. When he took the top 30 countries with the most coronavirus and looked at confirmed cases per capita, there's per million residents per capita to come up with this, the United States ranked as number seven with 2,135 cases per million people. We ranked number seven. Spain, Belgium, Switzerland, Italy, Ireland, France were above us. If you go and take out the 12 million people who populate New York City, Long Island, and the Hudson Valley, which includes boroughs like Kings, Queens, New York, Suffolk, Bronx, Nassau, Westchester, and Richmond. If you go and take that group of people out, downstate New York, downstate New York goes to number one in that list of of countries per capita they have 16,230 fatalities per million people the next people now Spain who used to be number one well now they're number two at 25 percent that they're at 4,100 the United States doesn't even rank in the top 10 anymore it comes in at number 13 well and that's that's kind of amazing I attribute that as I said earlier, to having three major international airports in the New York area and an extensive subway system. I mean, it's really hard to socially distance when you're riding the subway. Well, it's it's the density of the population, certainly, and the subway. But the other thing, too, is that de Blasio didn't actually shut New York down until like March 20th. So they had even more time that people were riding those subways. And then as they did start closing them down and started having people or as they had closed the city down and there were more people sheltering at home what they started doing was decreasing the number of subway cars and buses that were running routes so that the running trains the operational trains that were accommodating your essential workers 
those were more crowded than they would have been, thus compounding the virus even well, more. Well, and the other thing is that New York is America's most diverse city, I would probably say. Houston's probably up there, too. Uh, Colleen is, for smaller towns, certainly is a diverse town. I don't know why. I can't answer the question why. But just as a strict observation, it does appear that certain ethnicities are sicker from the Wuhan flu than, say, uh, uh, white people of 30 or 40 years old are. And in that hospital uh, that I followed in New York, which I, I won't name, I don't want to, I don't want to do anything that would affect anybody's privacy. But there do seem to be an inordinate amount, almost all ethnic type patients there of some sort of ethnicity other than just you know wasp or something like that. This does seem to affect them most. And I noticed our local paper in our town decided to do a, a little investigation on how, I guess, racist the Wuhan flu is. It, that was it one of the most ridiculous articles. I've never seen anything that embarrassing, and yeah. I, I love that paper. I do, and I and I, I defend it all the time, but I made a Facebook post that was probably out of line, and nobody over there is going to speak to me now for six months. But it, it's absolutely ridiculous. It does seem to attack certain races or ethnicities more but you know i'm not really sure how we're gonna how the democrats are gonna blame that on trump but they do seem to be doing it everybody that goes on cnn not everybody but a great percentage of them are talking about how blacks and hispanics are hit hardest by this as if this is something trump has caused right well and okay in louisiana the blacks Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN. Ah, feel the woe with Listerine at BJ's. You can save $2.50 now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location. Experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine. Discount available through December 24th. Save now only at BJ's. Should it be hit hardest? What's the preponderance of the black ethnicity in the overall population of Louisiana? Well, it's New Orleans is a chocolate city, right. as we heard from former Mayor Ray so, Nagin. So wouldn't it, would it not be odd if it, if if it doesn't strike them more? Yeah. But look, I, I try to look at other things, too. We're always talking about uh, comorbidities or underlying conditions with this. And I ask this, if there's a certain group of people, no matter what it is, whether it's white, black, I don't care what color it is or what gender or whatever. Look at that group and tell me, are these people more obese than the other groups? Do these people have more diabetes than the other groups? Do these people smoke more than the other groups? Do these people consume alcohol more than the other groups? 
do these people their have general a general diet? Their general it, it, diet. General is, diet, yes, which I'm not looking at you right now because <laughs> I'm I'm not very good on that one. I got some kale I can send <laughs> yeah, home with you. Thanks. Yeah, would you just stir red, it stir it up with some yeah. some some hamburger meat? Red dinosaur or regular. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. But I mean I think all those things make a difference and to say that it strikes a certain community more I want to know, why do you think so? Why, if it's true, why is that true? Is this because of choices that people have made? Yeah. And, you know, I think I'm... Yeah, are we going to identify some innate quality or some innate um, physical situation within these people that, you know, like, what is it that with blacks, the... The, the one disease that they sickle are... Sickle cell anemia. Yeah, and right. I've, and I've seen that in, in children when I work Children's Miracle yeah. Network, and it hit the black children because of something... Some their, genetic Some genetic thing, and, and, yes. it's, and it's tragic. And yes. it, it, and it makes you want to cry, and it's, a, it's something that's absolutely terrible. And yes, sickle cell anemia hits the black community hardest. Right. It basically, it hits only the black community yes. so far as I know. But that's not something that anybody did. I don't know that anybody engineered that to be that no. way. I certainly certainly would, would not want to see anything like that happen. But you just it's just become so trite that everything that's negative affects this community, you know, this community's hardest hit. And I'm not sure as a white, straight male of, of, of some age uh, what it is that I'm hit hardest by. Well, but apparently nothing. Apparently and- I have a pretty... Oh, you have a, yeah, yeah, you do. And, and the other thing too, is that we're seeing a bit of positioning with that of the red states versus the blue states. Well, the blue states are concerned about their people. We care about life. The red states, no, they don't care. They're looking for the fast buck. And the blue states are typically in much greater debt. In fact, Illinois California New and York. New York State are all three probably going to default on a lot of payments because they're very, very generous to their public workers. Absolutely, very and because and they also workers. they're all still mad at Trump over loss of the salt tax deduction, the state and local tax mm-hmm. deduction that they used to get for their local taxes, that those could be taken off from their federal taxes. And so that left us, other taxpayers, picking up up part of their tab. Yeah, Right, exactly. So, you know, if these other states would like to get fiscally responsible, personally, I don't think Texas is very fiscally responsible. But I will say this. Uh, we're two things. Number one, we're far better than most other states. If any state can weather this, it's going to be us. And the second thing is I think we have... Is it twelve billion or twenty billion? I can't remember. In a rainy day fund, and you know, I could see spending some of that money for something like Hurricane Harvey. I think that money should be spent for emergencies that are unforeseen, could not have been foreseen, and what we did since we couldn't foresee them was we had a rainy day fund. I don't think we ought to use that for anything else. This may be a time we have to dip into it, uh, as opposed to Harvard. Yes, which, it doesn't uh, want to touch their endowment. Their little endowment, which yeah. has quite the... I think it's about $40 billion. $40 billion or something like that. And uh, they'd rather lay people off 
Right. Oh, no, and that's going to become a big issue. And, I mean, I imagine that when they talk about these other stimulus packages, which I think we ought to just wait for a while. I think we doled out enough money. Oh, we're at what, it 25 trillion now? Yeah, it takes some time for that to get into the economy and start circulating and seeing the impact it's going to make. Yes, and I and feel so, bad because I, I got mine. I, I file electronically, so I got mine the first week, and I just got in my little car and wrote a check for $1,200 and put it right in my savings account <laughs> where it remains today. Um, and I, I do encourage, and I've encouraged my grandson, who is a very wise young man for 19 to try to have five to six months of living expenses at all times. Absolutely. I probably have five years, but I'm old, as I say, and I'm and I'm very, I like to say frugal. Other people like to say tight. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to have to ask anybody to come to my defense, at least not for the first couple of years. Right. And I think that's what everybody should try to do. But especially, Luann, if, if, and I said earlier, there's going to be some good things that come out of coronavirus once we get over the, the part about the people who have lost their lives and their businesses. That's very tragic. But I think some of these blue states are going to have to rethink their deficits, and they're going to have to start living within their well, means. Well, it's time. We're past time for pension reform, but maybe this will be one of the things that, that promotes that. Also, something I'd like to see from it is higher ed. Higher ed is going to take some real big lumps on this thing. And as I've told you before, I don't think it could happen to a more deserving well, group. And I'm glad that UT and Texas A&M both have 100,000-seat football stadiums because that means we can probably get 20,000 people in there for the games with six feet between them. And if I'm on row 12, I don't want you anywhere near. <laughs> I don't want you. I want you up on row 40 <laughs> so I can be safe. Well, but, you know, it, it is going to change a lot of things. Um, I think I think restaurants, of course, the weaker ones are not going to be able to make it back uh, in any city. Uh, we've already lost uh, a, a couple. There was uh, one up in Dallas that was very famous, and it has closed. Um, Threadgill's in Austin. I'm just so sick about yeah. that. We lost the one downtown because of the... Downtown development made the land too valuable for them to stay there. Right. The one out on Lamar Street, uh, try to go there and whenever I can and eat is just Threadgills was just one of those throwback restaurants with amazing home cooked food. Well, they're gone for good. And what's so sad with the restaurants is that I understand. I mean, Abbott. I think he's been kind of tepid on this whole thing, the the reopening. I understand his theory in this 25% opening for the restaurants, mm -hmm. but in reality, a restaurant opening 25% of your capacity, that's going to cost you more in many cases. That's going to cost you more than it'll, it'll bring in. And here these are people who are already hurting because they're curbside. I applaud anybody who's doing some type of curbside and looking for the creative ways. You know, people have been using food trucks to go and do things. I applaud all of the innovation that there possibly could be. But I also understand that, yeah, that 25%, that sounds like a good deal. But you don't even want to fire up your air conditioner. Exactly. You don't want to go in there. You Your food orders well, are going to be Well, what happened up. in Austin. There's roughly 15 major skyscrapers under construction. All right, Steve Adler, who 
actually makes people like Cuomo look good, uh, or certainly makes de Blasio look good. Steve Adler, who is one of the nation's nutcase mayors, sends out an edict, all construction must stop. Now, let's talk about, just for a moment, how that would affect a building like, say, the Indeed Tower. It's headed up toward about 39 stories. I haven't been to Austin since I've been sequestered, but the last time I went, it was maybe 15 stories high. So it's probably, at this point, about 20 stories up, heading up to close to 40. All right, so they've got Maybe heavy... somebody has really potent sneezes. Yes. If they sneeze while they're up there, it's going to come down. Well, on... there's going to be, you get up five or six stories, the wind kicks up. It starts d- dissipating this stuff. But here's the thing. You've got heavy moving equipment down around the ground. In the center of that building, you've got a, constru- a construction, uh, what do they call it, a crane, that it rises every time you get a, a floor poured, then you, you you raise it up again, and then you pour the next floor. And those things are not owned by these construction companies. Right. They rent them. So they're supposed to sit there for three or four yeah. months. They're probably paying. And moving them in and out is no easy task. That, you can't yeah. do that. So, yeah, yes. It's not you like, oh, we'll that. just return it. So you know what happened in Austin? The construction companies basically all went to City Hall on bank and said, uh, you're not doing this. Good for them. And they're all back at work now. Good. I mean, construction is one area that can is so wonderfully tailored to being able to open. Even while we've been here, we've had people who came out and installed uh, the railings on our swimming pool. Mm-hmm. We've had people out to work on the sprinkler system. We had some guys out putting sod in our yard. There's a number of things that we've had, and I have felt very good doing those things right now because those are things that we were going to get done anyway. We had budgeted to do it. And these people right now probably need that type of income far more than in a month or two from now. Let me ask you this. We're sitting across a table. We're sufficiently socially distanced. We're about, what, five feet apart or so? Yeah. Um, So you can probably look at me and tell that I have not been to the barber in a while, and I'm wondering if you know how to cut men's hair. (laughs) But seriously, I have a barber that has two chairs. One of them isn't being used right now, uh, two barber chairs. One of them, so he's he's a single guy in his barber shop. And then around his back wall, there's probably about a dozen chairs for the waiting. He could take all of those out, but maybe four. Right. You you get in there, and he always ta- it's not like the ladies. We don't get to make appointments. We just sit there and wait. It's about 20 to 30 minutes per haircut. So if there's four or five guys there, you don't wait anyway. You just come back later. I'm just wondering, could he spray the, the barber chair, or could he take wipes and wipe down the barber chair? Between he, people? Sure he, he could. He wears a mask. Then he does something with the scissors, or he, he sterilizes or disinfects the, the, the little... The, things that you use to cut the hair, whatever they're called, trimmers or whatever. And you're in pretty good shape because they've shut down all the barbers. This is a guy who's been a barber as long as I've known him. He doesn't have, unless he's bought some kind of insurance, he doesn't have an income right now. He's making a living 15 bucks at a time. Or if you do women's hair, $450 at a time. But but, uh, I don't know what he's doing or whether he'll ever be able to reopen. 
It's, you know, and a lot of that probably depends on, on what his lease conditions are. You know, if somebody owns a building versus they're leasing it, maybe that gives them more latitude. But, but it's going it, to there's going to be a lot of tragedy. But in a beauty shop, this... could, could it be done safely in yeah. women's hair salon? Absolutely. Yeah, because, I mean, where I go, it's an old house that's been converted. And so each operator has their own room. Room, yeah. Okay, and that's good. And the, there's a waiting room that... Absolutely, there could be things moved around there, mm -hmm. and you have one person at a time. I've heard of other establishments that they will tell people, come sit out in your car, text me when you get here, and then I'll text you when it's time to come it, in. Remind me when I leave that I need to borrow a hair tie. But <laughs> but anyway, uh, I don't I've know. I've bought I think a few new over the last week. There's, so. there's so many ways that people can be innovative, and I think... Two things will drive that. It does not need to be Donald Trump. It does not need to be Greg Abbott or Andrew or Cuomo. It's it, it's going to be Luann when she goes out to some place. You it's don't want to walk personal, in if you don't think it's safe. It's about personal responsibility. So it's it's the businesses saying to their clients, "Hey, we're disinfecting things. We're 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 being as safe as we can possibly be," and then the rest of it's up to you to be as safe as you can possibly be. And that's the way I think this is going to play out. Yes. And it's as it should, as it should, because there isn't a one-size-fits-all even within the Precisely. state of Texas. As we say, these guys on these construction crews in Austin, some of them are working on high floors up there. The wind is blowing. They can sneeze all they want to. Yeah. It's just going to blow away yeah. into the wind. Well, and when you're working like, you know, 40 floors up and somebody tells you, well, there's this virus that really could be bad, and you're sitting there looking down <laughs> yeah. at what you do on a daily basis— I don't think if you do that kind of work that you're someone who scares easily. No, probably not. Probably not. We used to call those people steeplejacks, and I, I, I have a great admiration for them. And every time I see a big city and look at those tall buildings, I think somebody was up there putting every single thing you see in place. The bricks, the glass, everything had to be done. Well, we need to wrap this up because we've been going for a while. But anyway, I think I just... The one thing that I would wrap this with is that as we see all of the things that are ahead, and there's still some definitely some rough roads that we're going to be traveling on, I can only think that I want to do everything. I want to work campaign-wise. I want to send my prayers that we need to get Donald Trump reelected because his performance through this, I don't think, has been perfect, but I think it's been damn good. Well, remember the two things that I said earlier. Number one, Trump did not cause this pandemic, and the people are not so stupid that they will believe CNN when CNN tries to say they did. And number two, Joe Biden is going to have to face Donald Trump, and I don't think he's up to that. And I can't even imagine if he managed to pull through I can't even imagine him having the stamina, the mental prowess mm -hmm. to lead us through this. And if he wasn't there actually being an active commander-in-chief, it scares me at who would be behind the scenes doing that. And the wild card with Biden, since Biden is obviously not, not of sound mind— I don't know about whether he's of sound, sound body, but he's obviously not of sound mind. The wild card is what woman of color is going to be the vice president? Because whoever it is, is probably going to be president. 
certainly I would expect them to be assuming a lot, lot, lot of duties. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for coming. It's been fun, <laughs> and we appreciate everybody else that's tuned in. This is Political Pursuits, the podcast. I'm Lou Ann Anderson. Stay safe, stay smart, and we'll see you next time. Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN.